as one who was born, as an African who was born in Guyana and lived most of my life in America, uh, I had the, I would truly call it a privilege and an honor to serve as a medic in the United States Navy. It afforded me the opportunity to cross the Atlantic Ocean three times, similar to the voyage that our ancestors had to endure. And in those crossings, my sister, the sharks still follow the ships, knowing that they would be fed. Yes? Yeah. So, um, hmm. So the sharks followed the Navy yes. ship, too. Wow. All the ships that sails that Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. the sharks follow the ship. It's in their DNA. They know that oh. once they follow these ships, they're going to be fed. Wow. Because these ships continue to throw, in, in this particular time, they throw scrappings of food and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. over the sides and stuff. But they, they know that ships, if they follow ships, food is there. And um, it takes us back to what transpired during that period of captivity um, where many of our ancestors jumped ship, some of them who died during the process. It is estimated that uh, one-third of our ancestors who were packed in the holes of those dungeon ships by those pirates, it was estimated that one-third didn't make it through the voyage. And many times, some preferred a watery death. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about um, the people of the Sun Collective um, and what happened at when when um, you went to um, Coney Island to um, you said Ethiopic Ethiopic uh, Ocean or uh, Atlantic Ocean for this ritual. And I believe the first time that um, you all had this uh, the tribute. It was in December, um, and then it was so cold. I think you all eventually moved in. Yeah, it was in, uh, was in the summer. No, no, November. <laughs> November, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, the first time they went down there, it was in November. It was cold, and persons were 
shivering and complaining about the cold. Mm -hmm. And so they were reminded by Dr. Umulu that when our ancestors were brought as captives, not slaves, captives, they did not have on boots and coats and long johns and gloves and hats. They hardly had any clothes on their back. And many times they didn't have any shoes on their feet. And that is the condition that our ancestors experienced when they were brought to these shores of America during the winter months. Now, could you imagine coming from a place of warmth and love and joy and and then after traveling on the seas for how long? Here you are, hardly any clothes on your back, no shoes on your feet, no proper food to eat. And you are paraded out in the cold. Mothers and fathers separated. Brothers and sisters separated. Never to see each other again in life. Were those the acts of a godly people? You tell me. And so, um, after that first year, 1989, and I must say that um, I was not one of the original persons. Okay. Um, we, th this is our third, first year. Mm -hmm. uh, my family and I have been involved now for 28 years. Okay. Uh, today, I am one of the spokespersons. I am also the keeper of the drums for the tribute to the ancestors. As a matter of fact, in um, 2002, when I visited South Africa, I went and see the vendor people because I saw a particular drum. And so I went and see the vendor people. And they made some drums for me because the ancestors told me I had to bring back some special drums. And these drums are called Ngomas 
And one of the drums uh-huh. that was made, huh? I did it, ah, uh-huh. Yeah, and one of the drums that that was made for me to bring back, uh, it's played on three sides. Mm. It's called the Trinity and Goma. And it it represents the family, which is mother, father, and child. Not father, son, and Holy Ghost. Because mm-hmm. we cannot have a father and we cannot have a son if we do not have a mother. Right. So so yeah. these are some of the stories that are spoken as a tribute. Uh, the tribute is not a religious um, gathering, even though we have people of various religious uh, organizations present. The tribute is a program that is open to all who would like to come and participate in paying respect to those who died in the Atlantic, as well as those who survived. It is also very important for us to it is also very important for us to fully comprehend that those who died during the Middle Passage, according to Yoruba tradition, they are not our ancestors. Those who died during the Middle Passage in the Atlantic Ocean, they are not our ancestors. They are our family. They come from the same or similar nations, not tribes, but nations. African people don't have tribes. We have nations. And we have to begin to learn to to, to, um, articulate our historical context in the correct manner. We have no tribes. We have different nations. We got the Ashanti nation. We have the Akan nation. We got the Yoruba nation. You have the um, the Venda nation. You have the Conga nation, various nations. And so those who died, those who took their lives during the Middle Passage, they are our family, part of our families. 
but they are not our ancestors. Your ancestors are those who have survived. And so they are your ancestors from your mother's lineage, and then they're your ancestors from your father's lineage. Your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, your great-grandmother, your great-grandfather the uncles and all those going all the way down the line. They are your ancestors. They're called bloodline ancestors. And then there are those ancestors who are elevated ancestors. People like Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Nat Turner, Al-Haj Malika Al-Shabazz, Martin Luther King, LFS Barnum, Eric Williams, um, Bookman, Desilinas. These people are considered um, elevated ancestors because of what they accomplished while they were here on this planet known as Earth. Mm-hmm. And so we call their names. And in calling their names, we make certain that their spirit is alive and well. Ashe. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the members of of the um people of the Sun Collective and the um uh, the tribute to African ancestors um is um Baba Bill who um who is now, you know, a reverend. He was now an ancestor, yes. Yes, yes, yes uh-huh. indeed. Yes, yes we have maybe you could talk Yes, yeah, so maybe you can um talk about the members of People of the Sun collective and and how you all came to be. I mean People of the Sun is an unusual name, let's say, and it's unique uh, to to those of you, you know, in in uh, in Brooklyn who put on this uh, uh, this tribute every year. But you do other things too. So I was wondering if you could talk about the organization and 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 who the members are. Um. Oh, oh and also if you could give more details about what you're doing this weekend because some of it's going to be live, um, actually, but. But it's going to be also it's going to be virtual, so that people know how they can um, can participate virtually in the uh, tribute this weekend. Okay. Um, the people of the Sun Collective is a very unique and powerful name (laughs) in the sense that um, it speaks to the melanated people. The melanated people 
Who's home is Africa, but can also be found on various parts of the continent. We all know that Mother Africa is the home of civilization. Namisesa, it's the, 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 the well-learned ones who have done all their research and digging up archaeologists and they're the ones who said that. They said that the oldest bones found is an African woman. In South America, oldest bones found is an African woman. Um, Dr. Ivan Van Sertima is one of the persons who helped establish the fact that African people presence were here in the Americas before anybody else. Now Dr. Imhotep is doing the same with additional information. Megavis College is very unique and at the forefront of making certain that the contributions of African people is heard and that the wrongs that were done to African people is heard. The tribute to the ancestors of the Middle Passage is the only tribute that I know where a university or college or any place of higher learning is involved. Maybe you may know someplace else, but I don't. Maybe you would like to share that with us. But Medgarvis College and um, you know, we were we were having a little chat, and you said something that uh, made me go, mm-hmm. and that was Medgar Evers forever. As long as we have breath, we will be forever paying respect to our ancestors, and we will be forever. Reminding those who don't know about our ancestors' contribution and about the wrongs that were done to them, about the captivity. Now, when this program started in 1989, uh, there's a it started as a storytelling event. There's a sister by the name of 
Tony Kale Bambaro. And right. uh, this is one of the statements that she made. She said, I know that we must reclaim those bones in the Atlantic Ocean. Do you know that there is not a plaque, a memorial, a day, a ritual, or an hour that is erected in memorial to those 100 million bodies in the Atlantic Ocean? All those African bones in the briny deep, all those people who said no and jumped ship, all those people who tried to figure out a way to see to navigate amongst the sharks, we don't call upon that power. We don't call upon those spirits. We don't celebrate those ancestors. We don't have a marker, an expression, a song that we use to acknowledge them. We have nothing to indicate that those are our people as they matter. We willingly self-administer knuckle drops. More horrendous is the fact that we don't tap into the ancestral presence in those waters. And since then, we have changed <laughs> that narrative. Because, uh, yes, we have markers. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a marker in Grenada in the ocean to the effect. And we continue to make certain that we propagate the, our story as it speaks to the captivity. Um, it's an event where poets and drummers and folks will come and do their performances. Dr. Chandler, Dr. Umalu, um, Raso Sajifu, um, Brother Tony Akeem. And um, at this point in time, I want to give a big shout out to Brother Tony Akeem, wherever our good brother is. Because after the first event, those who helped to organize the first one were not interested in doing it again. Truth be told. And so Brother Tony Akeem took the mantle and said, no, we got to do this. And so Brother Tony Akeem has been the main organizer And dishwasher and everything. <laughs> and so when I came along, it was truly a, a privilege and an honor to work with him. Rasa Sajifu is also with us. And um, Brother Hapti Selassie continue to be with us. And these are just some of the people who helps to make this tribute. Brother Ohm, wow, how can I forget um, Brother Richard Green, one of the, 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 just like Brother Tony, has been there with us, side by side, with Brother Tony, Brother Richard Green. Dr. Richard Green. And so we continue to do what we have to do 
uh, to make certain that this tribute happens. This particular week, because of the COVID situation, we will not be we will not be um, doing our um, full program down at the boardwalk, but uh, some of the elders will go down there, and we will have the libation done at the water edge, and that would happen between 12 to 1, and then everything else will be taking place via Zoom. Um, I don't have the Zoom information in front of me right now, but I can send that to you so you can um, uh, disperse it to some of your followers who may want to check in on us. Mm -hmm. Um, But besides the tribute, we also um, celebrate Black Solidarity Day. We do Mm -hmm. a feeding of the less fortunate, um, at this feeding, we also give um, clothing and um, toys and books and stuff to the children. We do the same thing for the Kwanzaa celebration. Uh, we also have a fashion show that is done, a Black History Month event. That fashion show is to... Um, have to raise funds, but most importantly, we use uh, the students, and it's a way of helping them to build their self-confidence, to step on that stage and walk and talk and assert themselves, because a lot of times some of these shy folks and, and um, in the fashion show for a long time we've been having plus-size models. So this whole thing about plus-size models, I look at it and smile because our fashion show was always one to help instill self-confidence in our young people. Um, We also do a Malcolm X birthday celebration, and we also do a health expo. Uh, in that health expo, your health is your wealth. Take care of your body, and your body will take care of you. The most important thing you will ever own while you're visiting planet Earth is your health. So take good care of it. Yes, my sister. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So I was thinking, um, I saw on the uh, Facebook page for People of the Sun that there's an event um, um, articulated for for uh, June 13th. So I'm thinking that perhaps if people go to People of the Sun on Facebook, they can also find the information because I linked to um, to that web web to that page in in the description for today. So it seems like you all, it's pretty active and you have a lot of followers, like in the thousands. So would you suggest that that's also a place people can go to find out um, how to um, to participate virtually in the, 
commemoration on Saturday? Uh, yes. Um, there, there are two pages. One is called um, Tribute to the Ancestors. And then there's, there's another one called Tribute, um, People of the Sun, Tribute to the Ancestors. Right. Yeah, that's the one I was looking at. Um, which okay. are they both active? Because um, that's the one I link to the one people yes, the sun, they're, they're, they're both, to ancestors of the middle passage. Okay. Yes. Um, the one that is um, tribute to the ancestors. That's that's my page that I put up. Oh. Okay. And okay. Um, and so and brother Ras Osaji for you. He runs the other page, and I'll we we. We just putting up. It's still under construction, and that is um, ancestorsmiddlepassage.org. Oh, okay. That's 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 a, a, a website that it's not fully up, but it has a lot of information on there um, about now. Okay. Super. And Excellent. Yeah, and so um, I am very excited about this 31st tribute because this 31st tribute, we are calling it Libation Day. Mm, and what we what what we saying is, at twelve o'clock, wherever you are, please stop. Get a glass of water, a bowl with water, a calabash with water. Sprinkle some water on the on the ground. Sprinkle it on some flowers. Sprinkle it on a plant. And thank your ancestors. Call their names. You don't have to get into a litany of, of, of prayers and stuff. Just sprinkle some water, call your ancestors' names. Even the living ones, because your parents are your living ancestors. Call their names. Thank them. If you can't thank them for anything else, thank them for life. Daddy, I thank, I give thanks for you bringing me. Mommy, I give thanks for you keeping me. We are all here because our mothers made the correct decision. I can't stop stressing that. And people want to get problems with their mothers. You can't have no problem with your mother had she changed her mind. Thank them. And please do me a favor. Take a picture of you pouring libation or take a short video and post it. Post it to our website. Post it to your website. Mm -hmm. Please take a picture or a short video 
of you pouring libation, even if just pouring some water. Take a picture of it, post it to the website, post it on your page. Please tell everyone to do that. It's libation there. We are acknowledging our ancestors in a humongous way. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Oh, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, because we're gonna, you're gonna actually, um, uh, after your um, libation, you're gonna join us in the uh, the virtual global libation um, that's happening through the International Coalition for the Commemoration of African Ancestors of the Middle Passage, um, of which um, People of the Sun Collective um, and the uh, Libations for African Ancestors of the Middle Passage. You all are a part of that organization. Um, and so we are going to also be broadcasting and pouring libations at the same time and, and going live through Facebook, the Facebook page, Remember the Ancestors. Uh, doc, remember the Ancestors. So there are a lot of ways that people can definitely connect. Um, they're going to be broadcasting, you know, from Charleston um, I and, and a lot, a lot of places. Um, yeah, well, on, we have some on June 13th oh, because it's the Global Libation Day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so we have people in England, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados, Guyana, South Africa, Nigeria, Mexico, um, Ghana. Uh, yeah, those are the ones I remember right now. Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, was it Virgin Islands? Grenada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barbados. I should, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I know I, um, you know, our, our conversation is, is coming to a close because you, you have yeah. some things you have to do. But um, I just wanted you to um, also, you know, sort of thinking about what's happening now with, uh, you know, the pandemic, COVID-19, and their, um, the numbers, you know, the toll on our community is is uh, pretty horrific in that, you know, a lot of people of African descent are are dying from, from the viral um, infection, and people definitely need to realize that even if um the uh these different the shutdown is opening in a lot of places here in the United States that people still need to follow the data and stay a safe distance you know from other people and to make sure that they wear their mask and and wash their hands and keep them out of their faces um and then on top of that you know we have this worldwide Call for end to police um, brutality and and excessive force on people of African descent because of what happened to our brother um, uh, George Floyd uh, on on um, on Africa Day, right? On Memorial Day. So I was wondering if you could, um, if you have any words you want to share around around this particular time in the world and in the United States. That we are all that we are pouring libations for our ancestors. Um, on COVID nineteen, I encourage everyone to follow the protocols 
of safe distancing. I said, do not wear a mask unless you know that you're going into an area where it may be contaminated or if you in a situation where you cannot practice um, social distancing. Wearing a mask deprives you of the most important food the body needs, which is oxygen. And so we all know that this particular uh, uh, virus or bacteria, whatever they're trying to call it, we know that it affects the lungs. Wearing a mask um, deprives you, and not only deprives you of oxygen, but it also creates what folks call autoimmune poisoning because you are breathing back in the carbon monoxide that you have just exhaled. It is not a practical thing. And so, yes, wash your hands, follow the protocols, but when you're in your house, if you're on the street and the social distancing uh, is not necessary, don't wear no mask. You need to breathe. Just like our brother was, 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 was fighting for his breath. Mm-hmm. When that uh, inhuman person had his his knee on his neck. He was fighting for the most important element, the most important food the body needs, which is oxygen. So don't deprive yourself of it. Right. And so... The next thing is, while we're talking about, and, 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 and while everybody in the government is speaking about washing your hands and wearing a mask and social distancing, you hardly hear anybody speaking about strengthening your immune system because if you are trying to survive from this uh, pandemic, if you're trying to survive from this pandemic or any ailment, so to speak, the first thing one needs to do is to strengthen their immune system. You have to learn to strengthen your immune system. 
You cannot indulge in anything that will compromise your immune system. Wearing a mask compromises your immune system. Drinking alcohol compromises your immune system. Eating toxic foods compromise your immune system. Not drinking adequate amount of clean water compromise your immune system. Eating toxic meat at this time compromises your immune system. Faking uh, anything that would have a negative effect on your liver compromises your immune system because the liver is the organ in the body that is responsible for doing all the detoxification. So anything that you would take that would have a, 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 a um, side effect on your level or a bad effect on your level. And this is what we need to be telling our children, telling our people. Get the dandelion. Get the bird up. Get the yellow duck. Get the neem tea. Get all the teas that helps with the lungs. These are the things that we need to be advocating. My beautiful sister, Washing your hands consistently is good, but it also deprives the body of creating that immune system. That's how, you know, these bacteria, that's how our body begins to develop the antibodies that it needs to fight. You know, as a child growing up in Guyana, many times in the meals and other kind of things come around, <laughs> it's the children who were not allowed to come and play in the yard and play in the dirt and play in the, in, 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 in the gutter. They were the first ones to come down with these kind of viruses. Because their immune system were not strong. Mm -hmm. Because the more we are exposed to the natural bacteria in the environment, is the more our immune system learns to, de to develop the immunities it needs to defend against it. I'm looking at this. Uh, COVID situation, and I, 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 I look in my neighborhood, and many of the people who's out in the street, I mean literally, literally out in the street, begging and hustling, and, and they, you know, they're alcoholics and stuff and so on, and they're still out in the street, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, 
Well, what do they have? What do those persons who are out in the street don't have no no uh, place of abode? They sleeping in the streets. They eating out of the garbage cans. They begging to get a dollar so that they can go get some some to drink. And COVID haven't done anything to them. So, um, them old people used to say, common sense ain't coming anymore. Hmm. So we have to get back to nature. We have to get back to our origin. When we were brought here as captives, who were doctoring us? What doctors did we have at our disposal? And we survived. They used to laugh at us as we ate the watermelon, the seed, all the way down to the rind. They laughed at us. Today, the scientists and the folks who are doing research and now finding out of the healing and cleansing properties of the watermelon. In the Caribbean, we have the coconut water. In the military, I learned that if I did not have saline or blood and somebody needed one of the two. If I can get young coconut water, I can use that until you get back to the base or someplace where you can have saline or, or blood to give to the injured soldier. Coconut water is an oxygen food. It's also full of electrolytes. You have the sea moss coming out of the sea. Because of Dr. Sebi now, the price of sea moss has jumped sky high. We have to learn what to do so that we can strengthen our immune system. Yes, pay attention to to the social distancing. You know, The world, not just America, the world was in a state of fear. Yeah. And fear is one of the most profound things in the destruction of your immune system because fear creates stress. And when a person is stressed, it releases acid. When a person is in a state of happiness, their immune system gets a boost. Not me, says so. All of the doctors and the researchers there. So, 
if people are in a state of fear, they are in a state of acidity, and then you, you make them put on a mask, and so they're breathing back into their lungs the toxicity that they're supposed to be breathing out. Doctors wear masks when they're going into a hospital operation primarily for two things. If they're operating on someone, they don't want their germs to get into the open cavity of the person they're operating on. Or if someone have a known illness that is uh, airborne, you put on the necessary mask and clothes so that you don't become affected by it. Um, in terms of the death that has happened you know it is a continuum I'm not surprised that so many of our people have died during this pandemic. I'm not surprised at all. And those who are surprised truly don't have an understanding of the history of the, this past 400 years. And so we have to return back to the roots. In places like Lesotho and Madagascar and certain parts of Africa, you don't even have uh, 2,000 deaths all put together with the exception of um, South Africa. And so... It is what it is. Mm-hmm. How do we protect ourselves and our families? We have to stop eating these fake foods. Most of our food is coming from China. Yeah. Most of our foods are coming from China. Hmm. Some places, a pound of chicken is less you pay less for a pound of chicken than you would pay for. a bunch of spinach. Yeah. So um, 
Baba, can you um, perhaps um, uh, conclude with the drumming? With drumming, as you open with the drumming, and uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, to seeing you on Saturday at the uh, the Global Libation uh, to African Ancestors of the Middle Passage. Okay. Freedom down there. Over Kanji Wata, a freedom down there. Over Kanji Wata, a freedom down there. Kanji Wata not taking me, uh huh, uh huh. Kanji Wata not scaring me, uh huh, uh huh. Kanji Wata not frightening me, uh huh, uh huh. Kanji wants to not drown in me, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
over Kanji water, them swim and go away. Yes, my sister. Uh, Ashe, thank you so much. You're welcome. I give thanks. We do pray all. We give thanks to the Most High, Mother, Father, God. Ashe. May you continue to live a long life, but most importantly, have a healthy life. So that you will be able to fulfill your destiny and have all array in life. We appreciate you and we give thanks for you. Ashe. Ashe, Ashe, oh. Thank you very much. Ashe, what? Okay, so thanks again and we'll be in touch. All right, certainly, certainly. You take good care. Have a great day. Okay. Bless. Peace and blessings. So we are going to uh, play something from the archives, uh, an interview we had with uh, Oyafumi K. Ogunlano, um, the uh, sister who portrayed uh, Mona and Shola in the film by Halajirima. Sankofa, and we're not going to be able to play all of the interview, but we'll play a half an hour of it. <laughs> and this particular interview um, took place on April 4th, 2012, so it was about eight years ago. And we were at uh, Ia Nedra's house in Oakland. It was um, the uh, uh, Ia Oye. Oh yeah, Fumika was here as a part of the Oakland International Film Festival. The uh, the film Sankofa was having I'm not certain if it was like the twenty fifth or thirtieth anniversary of its uh of its of its opening and uh and so she came. It was really, really nice having her present to to talk to about about this this, this document. And and what it took to to make it, and and the different uh, actors that were a part of this particular project. So anyway, it's a really really good um, good interview, and maybe I'll play the whole thing on Friday. So I'm going to play it right now, and then um, don't go away because we're going to have an interview with um, Kali and uh, Kitara of the uh, San Francisco Black Film Festival, which is going to be virtual, so it's actually happening. Um, You know, it used to be called the Juneteenth Film Festival because it opened around Juneteenth, and it went through Father's Day weekend, and Ave Montague, you know, the founder, she would always have like a special Father's Day breakfast uh, in San Francisco that was a part of the festival itself. So anyway, so we're really looking forward to hearing from from Kali and Kitara about what to expect this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy that they didn't cancel because a lot of film festivals are being are, are canceling because of the, um, the COVID-19 and the sheltering in place orders. So enjoy. So I want to say your name for me. Oh, yeah, Fumike Ogunlano. 
What does that mean? Oyakumike, um, Oya is one of the Yoruba deities, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a priestess of Oya, so oh. my name starts with Oya. Fumike means bring, brings me to be petted or cared for. Mm-hmm. So Oya, the goddess, mm-hmm. brings me to be cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oya, I remember after Hurricane Katrina, because I'm from New Orleans, uh-huh. that um, I don't know if I knew Oya before Hurricane Katrina, but I definitely sort of started <laughs> really vibing with her. Uh-huh. <laughs> because um, I like uh, Gede. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm like a real kind of cemetery person. Yeah. Um, I just love hanging out in the cemetery. And then I heard about Sama about Oya that she is the guardian of the cemetery, but she also is like the winds and the storms, and she like doesn't take any stuff. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, she yeah. sounds so cool. Change and transformation. Yeah, which is, you know yeah. exactly what happens when the hurricane comes. Mm-hmm. Everything is new and changed down there, that's for sure. Right, right, yeah. And as people of African descent, you know, we're always like in flux like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of messed up because no one seems to want to leave us alone. You know, we're being <laughs> invaded, we're being sold, we're being kidnapped, we're being um, disappeared, mm-hmm. you know, in a variety of ways mm-hmm. after we're, a, quote, no more use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could talk about... Um, your um, your journey, because uh, Sankofa is a journey, mm-hmm. and and then we think about um, thinking about uh, Dr. Marima Ani. You know, Sankofa is a part of. You know, we have the Maafa, we have Sankofa, and we have a Yarisa. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you could sort of talk about just that um, uh, the metaphor uh, of Sankofa as your life and your character, Mona, and then mm-hmm. um, Shola. <clears throat> Well, it was a project that I worked on for nine years. Mm. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, a whole long time. <laughs> when I first uh, auditioned, I got three lines, and I was a character named Salome, who never even made it to the final movie. Oh. Rosalind Cash was supposed to play Shola, the yeah. character that I finally played. Mm-hmm. But I was in D.C. rehearsing, writing script, uh, doing spiritual work, and Rosalind was in L.A. So after about three years of me standing in for Rosalind, mm-hmm. it got just got to be my part. And it got to be pretty obvious that nobody could play it but me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I always say I stole the role. <laughs> in that nine years, we were rehearsing at Howard University a lot, out mm-hmm. in Rock Creek Park, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere we could, auditioning other actors and developing the script. My daughter actually, you know, remembers sleeping on a pile of coats in Howard's <laughs> theater department many and many a night as I rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And it got so bad, my friends were teasing me, talking about, oh, you, you still making that movie? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, man. But it finally came out, and of course, nobody knew that it was going to do what it did. Really? Yeah, we really? had no idea. But there was no movie like that movie no, we prior to no. that. No. <laughs> really? You know, 19 years later, yeah. as I look back, if I had known what this movie was going to do, I'd have been documenting every step of the journey. Right. 
Yeah, no, no one did anything like that? No, not really. Oh, okay. Because you know how Spike Lee documents his work and mm-hmm. comes out with the making of, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Really? So now, was... I've got some things I could piece together. Yeah. And do, you know, something with yeah. that, pictures and other things, memories. Yeah. And do my own version of the making of. But, mm-hmm. you know, this hindsight is always twenty twenty vision. Mm-hmm. Had I known that it was going to be the classic that it is, yeah. I would have had a lot more stuff. Yeah, because we think about Sankofa, we think about Quilombo, we think about uh, Mapensula, which mm-hmm. is not as well known, but mm-hmm. I think it's a similar kind of story. Yeah. Um, told from a female director, um, spiritual woman's perspective, but I think it's a similar story. And it's more said in Africa than mm-hmm. um, than Sankofa, which is our journey. Yeah. But, um, hmm, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, there was a lot of sacrifice that went into this nine years, right? Yeah, a whole lot. Yeah, because I, I was reading that you were reimbursed for all of your travel, um to make the film, and then and then when the film was on the road, sort of having the screenings, you got reimbursed for all of that. But really, it was like your gift to the community because financially you didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Although the film has made money. The film has made a lot of money. Yeah, and yeah, you can't get it free. You know, you were, you were talking <laughs> to me about forgiveness. Exactly. And that's my big piece. I'm trying to forgive highly for not sharing the profits like you promised mm-hmm. uh, that entire nine years. Oh, my sister, this movie does well. You know, I'm going to take care of you, my sister. (laughs) And I listened to that crap. And uh, was in Jamaica getting ready to shoot the first scene. Had all my makeup. He had my ticket and my passport in his possession. And he put this contract in front of me. And I'm like, that's not what we agreed to. I'll just sign it. You'll never see it again. So I did, you know, I'm ready to start filming, and like I said, I had no idea that the movie was going to do what it did. So, you know, I'm still working on that forgiveness piece. I still have this vision, you know, next year is our 20th anniversary. So I see this big gala event where he gives us all checks, (laughs) you know, even Nunu's children, her descendants, Mm because I really feel like if she had had her money, and been able to get proper medical care, she'd mm-hmm. still be here. Who's Nuna? The woman that played Nuna, Alexandra Dwarf. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's been dead about five years now. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every yeah. time she saw him, she would beg, beg, beg for her money. Oh, wow. That's a, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh. <coughs> um, so, uh, as you were... Um, you know, on this nine-year journey, you're also having a sort of a simultaneous journey, I believe, um, around your spiritual mm-hmm. development. And yeah. I wanted you to talk about sort of the intersection of your spiritual awakening and the movie, the film, and, and what that did for your character uh, mm-hmm. development of Mona and then uh, Shola. Well, uh, by the time I did Sankofa, I'd actually been a priestess for 12 years. Okay. So I was well on my way to my spiritual journey. Nice. I actually think I was chosen by the ancestors to play that role mm-hmm. because I am an actress and a priestess. Mm-hmm. And in those rape scenes, I actually went to a corner and pounded my stick and called all the female ancestors who had ever been raped mm-hmm. to come and help me film those scenes. And I don't even remember filming them. Mm-hmm. I look at them now and I'm crying and snot is running out my nose and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. 
But I don't remember filming them. It's actually the one thing I do remember is one time my head actually did clunk on a cobblestone rock. I mean, really hard. It's a good thing I have a hard head. But you see it. It's in the movie, and you hear the you know my head hit the rock. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) But other than that, I don't remember filming those scenes. When I first got to Ghana, I just refused to go into that castle. Yeah, yeah. You talk about how your ancestors were talking to you. (laughs) That's heck of cool. (laughs) Because he finally forced me to go in after about 10 days. And I felt like I was going to throw up. So I ran to where the the ledge, where the cannons were. Yes. And I actually felt them grab me in the back of my neck. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Everybody here has been cast by us. You are here to do a job. You have to tell our story. You better get yourself together. <laughs> and then when they let me go, they said, you will be protected. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ganaba, the man who played Sankofa, the drummer, right, uh, came onto the set. He was a hermit. I mean, we were so lucky that he decided. He decided, when he was asked, he first said no. But then he said, well, I want it done right. So yeah. he came out to do it for us. Immediately fell in love with me. Stayed the whole week I had to film. Mm-hmm. And every time I had to go in that dungeon, he would go before me mm-hmm. and pour libation nice. throughout the whole place, explain mm-hmm. to the spirits what we were doing, mm-hmm. and ask their permission. Right. So that's the way I feel I was able to even go down in there and work. Because mm-hmm. it was horrendous. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, had this been the first time you'd ever been mm-hmm. to a slave dungeon? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, actually, it was my first time in Africa. No, 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 second time. Because mm-hmm. I'd gone to Nigeria to get initiated. Mm-hmm. But it was my first time to Ghana. Yeah, but there are dungeons in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. But I didn't go. I was on a spiritual oh. quest <laughs> the mm-hmm. time I was in Nigeria mm-hmm. to find my godfather and get initiated and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as being chosen for this role, I, when I think about St. Cope, I think about... Octavia Butler's um, protagonist, who in her in her her book Kindred, and how this woman, you know, she has to go back to repair something yeah. so that her future generations, including herself, could be born. Mm-hmm. And um, Octavia Butler, she did a whole lot of that kind of sort of spiritual connections to the present. Um, and I was wondering uh, if you could talk about sort of what it means to be. Uh, and Ifa priestess, and and how, because you mentioned in some of your writing how you were running from that path mm-hmm. for a while, and um, and I think it was I don't know if it was because you know sort of meeting your daughter's father, and and sort of just being open or just listening mm-hmm. to what was happening, you know what he suggested, because he wasn't like you have to do this. It was no. like. <laughs> It was an uh, intellectual challenge. Mm-hmm. He said, you don't have to believe in it. All you have to do is do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, you know, because we always try to intellectualize the culture when it's yeah, so simple. Right. And, okay. you know, if you want right. to intellectualize it, then you run into one problem okay. after the other, okay. overthinking the thing that's just so simple. So that didn't appeal to my intellect, so I got a reading. And now that I can read, I realize that uh, that first reading took death off of me. Mm. I had to give nine pigeons to my ancestors 
and go to the cemetery and clean off with a tenth one and let it go. Um, I had to put this bracelet on and had to set up my ancestral altar and get an Obatali Lucky. So I did all of that. And my landlord gave me the house I lived in. <laughs> Cost me $2.55 to put the deed into my name. So I've been Yoruba ever since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean we say um, it took death off of you? What do you mean? Um, now that I can read, I realize that that bar is only done for somebody who's about to die. Seriously? Oh, Yah is the goddess of death. She's yeah. the goddess that removes death. Oh. So if you've got to give her nine pigeons, that's yeah. some serious stuff that's being removed. Wow. And then to go to the cemetery, actually, and have to do another one and let it go live. Yeah. Yeah, I bought my life back. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. How old were you when that happened? Uh, about 30. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I had been pretty wild, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got one reading once a long time ago that said I had worn out my guardian spirit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hopefully they had time to rest and repair and back on the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and was that at the time when, when you had you had two sons already mm-hmm. and, and then you had this, this uh girl child. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> So her birth, did you um, you you name your piece on your on your um, on your Facebook? Um, my favorite child. My favorite daughter. My favorite daughter. Yeah, <laughs> favorite daughter. You only have one daughter, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. She was 13 by the time she figured that one out, though. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> by then, the good had been done, you know. Mm-hmm. She had a firmly developed sense of self and, you know, mm-hmm. that oomph that comes with thinking you're somebody's favorite. She said she used to look at her brothers and go, I'm mama's favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I still sign her cards, uh, my favorite daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a big joke between us now. Right, yeah. And but you say that, you know, she was raised in Ifa, mm-hmm. and that was just a whole nother way of being in this, this real toxic environment that we live in, yeah. you know, America, but it's, not just America, but Western culture in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she has her own sense of magic. She, you know, even when she was a child, we laugh about, uh, we were in Miami, and my father had phoned her down to be with the rest of the family, but she wanted to ride back in the car with us. <laughs> she got on the airplane. And the plane had some kind of mechanical failure. So she and my father had to ride back with us. And he looked at her and called her a little witch. <laughs> so she knows she has magic. And, you know, she's just becoming, now that she's 33, she's you know, opening up to being able to use it and willing to use it. Yeah, because I think you said that she's a child of Shango. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the thunder mm-hmm. and the lightning, that's, that's very magical. <laughs> I haven't been initiated for 20 years, mm-hmm. so she got a lot to work with. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, I wonder if you could talk about, um, you know, Palmares, and I was just thinking about just looking at that place, um, uh, rejuvenation for healers, um, and also it seems that you really celebrate the sacred feminine. Oh, definitely. Hello. Uh, Palmares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, I think Sankofa was just uh, something to get my name known mm-hmm. and my work 
Gnome and Palmares is my actual work mm-hmm. because it's also something the ancestor told me I had to do. <laughs> I'm like, what? I gotta do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? You <laughs> know, they led me to the land. Mm-hmm. My daughter-in-law knew the lady that was selling the land. It's two hours outside of Atlanta, okay. up in the mountains in the Cherokee National Forest. Mm. Uh, very spiritual, highly, highly spiritual area, right where North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee meet. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as I got up there and saw the land, the ancestors again spoke and said, this is the land you must buy. <laughs> so I put a deposit on it that day. That was 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working on it ever since. In 2010, I got laid off from my job. Mm-hmm. And I had asked God to just let me keep this job till I can retire. What were you doing there? I was uh, working for the New York Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an information counselor talking to tourists all day. Uh-huh. Fun job. Great job. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, Broadway shows, restaurants, all kinds of perks. Yeah, so, um, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, after they laid me off, they started throwing money at me. Because I told the ancestors, y'all know I ain't got no money. You, you want this temple built. We gonna, It's going to take a miracle. Mm. So they laid me off and told me about the pension plan. You know, I got the literature but never read it. Mm-hmm. And they told me I had between sixty and and $100,000. So it was like I got up and did a little dance. Really? <laughs> Temple what? money. Nice. Temple wow. Money. So when I got the check, finally it was $84,000. Thought it would be enough to finish, but so far it's just been enough to get me to the point where I am now. Mm-hmm. So I've got some fundraising campaigns going on asking because um, I got a divination and EFA said it's a community project. It belongs to the community, so the community should help finish it. Right. So I've had to ask for donations, mm-hmm. and I've gotten some, but certainly not enough. What do you need to finish it? Oh, I need about another $50,000. Basics. Enough. No, it's not. Okay. And so um, what's going to happen there? At, uh, it's going to be, first of all, an uh, ancestral temple, mm-hmm. um, an Oya temple. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a healing retreat mm-hmm. where people can come and we're going to have different waters and oils and just different people, mm-hmm. <laughs> healers. And uh, a retreat center, retreat site, people can rent it out mm-hmm. for their initiations or, you know, we've got, um, I work with the <coughs> Mother Eagle Ministries where we bring women up and do uh, healing by ritual. Mm. So we'll be up there. Like Just lots of different possibilities, mm-hmm. you know. I call it creating our own world. Uh-huh. And I've named it Palmares after the Quilombos in Brazil, right. <laughs> where mm-hmm. people ran to be free. So mm-hmm. that's another thing I said, you know, Palmares, come on up and be free. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling people, because I believe that the earth is going to change, that there's going to be a great shift and that there's a gathering, and God is gathering the righteous up at Palmatis. Mm. So, and we're going to be safe during the coming earth changes. We're going to have food to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to learn a new way of being. Right. But it's 40 different kind of herbs up there. It's all kind of animals to eat. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> vegans are going to forget all about that stuff. <laughs> be eating whatever's in the pot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I do believe that, you know, things are changing in yeah. a very positive way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's a, a place um, on indigenous land here, um, not far from here, and we went there and met with um, Dr. Um, Pukiao, um, mm-hmm. and had a really wonderful time. The only thing is they didn't have a place, they didn't have lodging there, so we had to stay, um, you know, in the city and then drive up there mm-hmm. every day for the um, the retreat. We looked at um, um, uh, just the spiritual practice of the Congo, Key Congo people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really nice. Mbangi. They're deep. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> and it's sort of like just sort of like the intersection, which is shaped like a V, which looks like the uh, the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like, and that was like something that particular um, intersection was something that you look at, and it was just it was really, really, mm-hmm. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, um, is this a a place, uh, Palmares? Is is it unlike any other place in the United States? What your vision is, or because I know you're part of the Egungun Society, and and you stayed in um, Orisha or Ifa communities. And I was wondering, do those communities still exist? And so, where are they? And what you're doing is that just a continuation of mm-hmm. a tradition that's here in the United States that people are not probably not even yes. aware of. It's definitely a continuation. It's uh, Oyotunji has been established for about. 30 or 40 years now, uh-huh. and uh, with the new king, it's really progressing uh, in the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, on num- temple number seven, uh, under the umbrella of Ashun Golden Harvest Temple, mm-hmm. uh, my friend Yamanife in Tallahassee has six other temples, mm-hmm. and I think uh, seven, and I think now there's another one, I think so now she has eight, so I'm where under are, that umbrella. Where are they at? One is in Tallahassee, one is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, yeah. the whole list of exactly where all of them are, but mm-hmm. I'm very proud to be number seven. <laughs> are, are any of them in California, or are they mostly in the South? Uh, mostly in the South, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll have to ask her, because there may be one in Los Angeles. Okay, and these are all um, female-headed? No, not all oh, of them. Okay. I know number eight is headed by a man. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are headed by women. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I just see it as a continuation. I think that we, you know, if we had a thousand Yoruba temples, you know, it wouldn't be too many. Mm-hmm. I got tired of seeing beautiful churches and beautiful mosques, and I'm like, well, it's time to have a beautiful <laughs> Yoruba temple. You right. know, mm-hmm. I envision like twelve foot high statues as people walk up the mountain dressed in white, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, of the Orisha. Uh, it's just, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. How does, how does um, your spiritual path jive with how you were raised? Like, sort of, you know, as as a child, were you, well, was is it like seamless? Is there like no separation? It's just, uh, just maybe a different way of looking at things? Cause, well, my parents weren't, people that were overly religious. They sent us to um, what we call Sunday school, mm-hmm. but at 13 I declared I'm not a Christian, I'm not going back, and they didn't give me any problems with that. At 13? Mm-hmm. Okay. At 19, I tried Islam for a while. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, all these gods are crazy. So I went looking for a sane God and found it in Yoruba culture. Mm-hmm. You know, gods that understand fun and Every, there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as the devil. I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and uh, 
It wasn't easy because at first my parents, you know, didn't like the idea. But my brother had been in it five years before me and kind of broke them in. Mm -hmm. But even after five years, by the time I got in it, my mother was still talking about y'all walking around in them rags and practicing that shit. (laughs) What rags? African car. Oh. She called them them rags. Oh, okay. But by the time she died, she had her shoe by the door, her Yemen jaw altar set up. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And dolphins everywhere because mm-hmm. she was Yemen jaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time my father died, he made a total transition, too. Mm-hmm. He would sit there and let us do anything we wanted to do. Daddy, we need to feed your head with a ram. Okay. <laughs> so. What's that mean? Um, we kept my father alive so long that the readings start telling us, leave him alone and let him go, my brother and I, mm-hmm. just do a different elbow on him. Mm-hmm. So we finally told that we were being selfish mm-hmm. and to let him go. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so when you when you talk to the ancestors, what, do you, like, have a conversation like you and I are having a conversation, or is it, are you sleeping? I mean, how does it... Sometimes. I certainly hear them very well, you know, like, and then we have a system of divination that we use, mm-hmm. and they'll talk in that, or I can go to them and ask them a direct yes and no questions. Mm-hmm. So it's a variety of ways that they communicate, and if they want something, they let you know very clearly. Mm-hmm. Things like one morning they told me, get them their coffee, mm-hmm. and I got distracted, <laughs> and I kept here and get the coffee. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still distracted. I walk into the kitchen and knock coffee all over the floor. So <laughs> I got the coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, wow. So could you talk a little bit more about you know the whole idea of the sacred feminine and um, you know with regards to like your past? Because I noticed that you were a part of these different. Um, female spiritual circles um, uh, from the Earth Mama Healing publication to some other things. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. As well as, I know there's usually a reading that happens, mm-hmm. and I was wondering um, if that, where that took place and, and what, what the prediction was. Uh, reading for me? or for um, for, I thought, like, I know sometimes there's a reading for the community for the coming year? Oh, yeah. Different people do readings of the yeah. year. Do you do that? Commu- no. Oh. I usually call my girlfriend, Monifa, and get her reading. <laughs> <laughs> Follow those prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see, but your first question, oh, the sacred feminine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a work that I grew up very sheltered, so I mm-hmm. feel kind of stupid in not knowing that so many black women were sexually abused Mm -hmm. and as children. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work we do is just healing work to get these women to a place where they can function and, you know, healthily in society. Mm -hmm. But also a lot of the work is teaching young girls how to believe that they are sacred Mm -hmm. uh, and to stop wasting their energy on no good men and, you know, have goals and ideals and strengthen yourself Mm -hmm. before you start looking for a man mm-hmm. hormones keep us crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and this man thing becomes so prominent in our minds mm-hmm. that they can't think of anything else so mm-hmm. we just try to show them a, a better way of being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and then we take them through different rituals cleansing rituals mm-hmm. um, 
healing the body, healing the mind, healing the, the womb, mm-hmm. the vagina from abuse. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Where do you do that? Hmm. Where do you do that? Um, usually with the um, Mother Eagle Morning Camp Workshop. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I'll be, of course, branching out and doing my own thing once I'm up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wherever we're called <laughs> mm-hmm. to do it. Oh, so like we could call you and you could do it here? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. How long does it take to the whole process? We usually do a weekend, but that's, that n- never seems to be enough time. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's a start. A lot of women come back mm-hmm. for a second or third session. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess within that, the girls or the women learn that they are enough. Yes. They are complete. Yeah, they get a, a sense of self, self-respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and self-love is mm-hmm. what we try to instill. Because right. so many of us just don't have it. Mm-hmm. Self-love. Yeah, yeah. Through your through your training, you know, as as a performing artist, you you have a lot of discipline. And then through your practice, uh, you know, as Ifa priestess, you also have a lot of discipline. And and I was wondering if you. I'm trying to laugh. Trying not to laugh. Oh, you don't agree with me. <laughs> It would appear that yeah, way, appear way. Yeah. <laughs> but I really don't. <laughs> you know, I'm rather undisciplined, but evidently I'm disciplined enough. I don't believe in very strict discipline. Mm-hmm. I, be, I believe in being gentle with yourself mm-hmm. in whatever you're going to do. Um, Not only discipline, like, you know, punitive. Well, yeah. I mean, discipline in that you are in control. Oh. To as much degree as you can be in control. That's okay. what I meant. Like, oh, yeah. You know, really purposeful. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm mindful. Yeah. That kind of discipline. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. I don't. I totally agree with you. No, no. We. Well, that was Iya. Oh, yeah, Fumi K. Ogunlano, who portrays the character. Mona and um, and Shola in Holly Jarima's Sankofa, and we are joined in the studio uh, by are both of you with us, um, Kali O'Ray and Katara Crosley, um, going to talk to us about the San Francisco Black Film Festival. Are you together? Hi, uh, this is Jackie Wright calling in. Uh, I work with Callie oh. and Katera, and I yes. I was just uh, calling in um, to listen in to the oh. show. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I brought confusion uh, and oh, everything. Yeah. Uh, so I will um, – I'm going to get off the line right quick and or at least uh, uh, put you on hold and see uh, if I can round them up. I thought they were already on the line, Okay. Oh, is that no, all right? Yeah, it's just I ended. Yeah, I ended the. Um, I ended my interview early because I thought you were they, and oh, um, I'm sorry. so I, so I, yeah, I'm I can't sorry. go back to it. Oh okay. darn. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Next time, Jackie, um, text me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Go and, I w- go ahead and see. Yeah, go ahead and get okay. grab them, okay. and I'll play. I'll play. I'll play a little music while we wait. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. So what are we feeling like listening to? Um, I was thinking about Nova Nova Lima. I really like I like that particular group out of Peru. So, um we're going to uh 
play a little Nova Lima. Uh, I like Africa Londo. That is really, really nice. Um, actually, I like all of it. <laughs> I really want to go visit Peru. Um, that's one of that's one of my it's on my bucket list.
Well, <laughs> uh, before I play uh, another something from the archive, I was thinking about Ben Vereen. Uh, let's continue with this um, Nova Lima groove because I just, like I said, I really, really like them. Um, wow, well, I have an interview with um, Rafael Morales from Nova Lima. Wow, June 21st, 2011. All these gems, my goodness. So we're going to play, um, I don't know, I like Yo Voy. Hmm. And I also like Librita. So anyway, okay, we're going to play, uh, we're going to play Yo Voy.
Well, our guests are not in the studio, so I'm going to go ahead and just play this um, interview with uh, Rafael Morales, because um, I haven't heard it in a long time. Sounds been, Anyway, uh, wow, 21st of, uh, of June uh, 2011. Let's listen up. So, so tell me about uh, Nova Lima. I mean, you all are spread throughout the diaspora, yet I guess since you're in Lima now, you must get together frequently, um, you know, I guess in the motherland or where where, where it all started. How, how, did, yeah, how did you all sort of come together, and how are you so spread out now? Um, no, but we grew up together here. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were living uh, abroad, but from 2008 or so, we all came back. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So now, now everyone's living in Lima. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I spent 10 years in London. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we spent like 10 years in Barcelona, mm-hmm. Cali 10 years in Hong Kong. Everyone was all over the place. Yeah, I know, I but, know. It's really interesting. We're in the Hong Kong, that's really interesting. So were you all making music in these different places? Yes, and uh, that's how we just started emailing songs and mm-hmm. ideas, and, and that's how it started to shape up, you know, the project. Yeah, yeah. You know, when people think about Peru, they don't necessarily think about um, uh, the African heritage there. I was wondering if you could talk about, um, you know, your sound, because it's, you know, folkloric, but it's also, you know, modern and contemporary. Uh, you know, you can hear you know, sort of hip-hop in there, and... Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's so wonderful. And then you have all these wonderful voices uh, coming in and out. I really like the remix. That's, that's my favorite. What, which one do you have, the the, the white album? Yeah, I've got the... Uh, well, I've got both. I've got the, um, you know, Cobra Cobra, but the one I really like is the remixed, uh, remixed the Nova Lima, um, you know, the white one. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's more dan- dancey. Yeah, yes. I play it in my car, particularly during rush hour, uh, because it's just like, (laughs) it's just, you know, really mellows you out because it's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a strange, that's what we call the second derivative, because we've done the first mix of those those tracks, because some of those tracks are like uh, traditional. Mm-hmm. So we've done the first mix, and, and the remix you have is a, the second mix, <laughs> the mix of our mix, the second derivative of uh, mm-hmm. the original traditional track. Right, yeah. Yeah, so talk about, um, you know, the Afro-Peruvian um, Peruvian, uh, heritage there uh, in Lima that, that you all, um, you know, share with us through through the music. Well, there's, um, in, especially in the coast, um there's a lot of there's been black music from you know, hundreds of years ago in Peru, mm-hmm. because as, as um, was the case in different countries, uh, black music came um, at the time of the colonies to work in the in the fields in the cotton fields. So, I mean, Peru is a mix of cultures really. There's, there's a Spanish uh, heritage, black, Indian. Chinese, Japanese, uh, in the Amazon jungle, it's a different, so many, many different races. Uh, but in the coast, is, the black music has been uh, uh, kept very uh, raw and it's in, its, in, its, in its original form, mm-hmm. really. So this is music that originally came from 
West Africa, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it uh, merged a bit with a Spanish guitar and kind of also a, a bit of Andean melodies as well. Um, not the instrument, because you cannot hear a single pan pipe <laughs> in, in uh, Peruvian Afro music. Mm-hmm. We, call it, we call it Afro here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. That, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. what we did, we, we partnered with a, um, a few friends of, uh, uh, of of this music, you know, the, especially the percussionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought uh, different influences, because um, the four original guys uh, that did the project, the producers, right. We come from a more, uh, I would say, a reggae, rock, uh, funk, um, or electronic background. Mm-hmm. So everyone putting a bit together, no, into the into the mix, and that's what you hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you know, the original founders, uh, yourself, uh, Carlos, uh, uh, Grimaldo, and Ramon. Yeah. So you all grew up together listening to, um, you, you mentioned the type of music you were listening to. So in your families, were you also listening to Afro-Peruvian traditional music? Because here um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, uh, Susana Baca has been here lots of times. And, um, and, and I'm not sure of others, but she's like sort of like the representative. But then we also have uh, people that live in San Francisco now that, are Afro uh, Peruvian that share the music and the dance with us because right now we have uh, a celebration called uh, the Ethnic Dance Festival and every year mm-hmm. there's an ensemble from representing Afro Peruvian music and no, dance. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're familiar with the folkloric. Uh, no one, I don't think, is yeah. is familiar with like what you all do, which is so you hear it. I mean, because you recognize some of it traditional rhythms, but then it's like, oh, wow, this is really neat, uh, you know, what you all are doing with it. So I was but wondering... We need the new directions, no? It has, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, for example, there has not been many new uh, pure traditional Afro songs for years. Mm-hmm. No? Um, what happened is the music was spread uh, just uh, from father to son, you know, right. through gener- generations, oh, right. and only at the beginning of this century, people started to write those old songs. Mm. There were not many of those songs also, and, and there was a, like, the prime time of all this was in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and after that, there hasn't been many new songs of, uh, so people, you hear the, you hear it in the uh, traditional restaurants, you hear it uh, when it's uh, um, Peru, uh, uh, the day, like the 4th of July, you know, the oh, Tuesday, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Uh, in those occasions, but it's not something you would hear normally on a radio. Or, oh. Uh, no. hmm. So I think what we did was um, not only started uh, composing also new new songs of this music, but um, re- revitalizing some of the traditional ones, mm-hmm. give it, no? uh, make it, um, I don't know, make it approach, how, how, how can you say this? Make people interested again. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, in, in, uh-huh. especially the youth here. No? Mhm. Yeah. Was that was that something that you know was something that you all were thinking about, uh, sort of making uh, music that's indigenous to the community and to the culture popular, whereas maybe Western music had kind of taken over the interest. You wanted to bring back music that you know was was Peruvian. 
Well, we started making music just because we like like mm-hmm. playing it. We liked how it sounded. Uh-huh. There was no agenda, <laughs> really. <laughs> but um, suddenly started, uh, you know, bringing more and more people to, uh, to the concerts and, and and the records started selling a lot. And mm-hmm. It just uh, happened, no? Right. <laughs> really yeah. We didn't, uh, uh, we, you know, we didn't get together, okay, let's make a... <laughs> Something, uh, no, it was not so so much planned. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you all were like emailing songs back and forth to each other. So, what's the instrumentation? I know sometimes um, with uh, you know music that's uh, from other cultures, you have some indigenous instruments, and I know with Afro music, African diaspora music, there's always like. The, the drumming, you know, is like something yeah. you can find in all of it, you know, uh, like live drumming. And I was wondering if you could talk about the instrumentation and, and also who who are some of your collaborators and who's coming with you uh, to San Francisco next week. Yeah, well, the instrumentation <laughs> is very particular, and that's that's how you, um, that you hear in all, all, all the songs. Mm-hmm. The main uh, percussion instrument, the cajon. Oh, okay, yeah. The box. Mm-hmm. The wooden box. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, its origins. It was originally um, used to carry the cotton in the fields, but at night it, it began. A, it, it turned into a percussion instrument. Mm. The other one is the quijada, is the, the the donkey jaw. Yeah. Okay. Which is a um, the skeleton of an old donkey, you know? mm-hmm. and you just uh, rattle the teeth. Mm-hmm. And another one. The cajita is the small box you hang it with a strap to your neck, and it was usually its origins were in the in, the, in church at mass where people put the coins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's a that in, at night uh, the slaves use it to to do music with it, you know, mm-hmm. with a cajita. So <laughs> many many instruments. Uh, but um, they are were not original instruments, no? just taking stuff from from anywhere to create uh, percussion instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we, all, call, all we call that creativity, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So and that no, um, the ones we play or you say collaborators, no? Um, maybe you you know uh, Cotito. Juan Medrano Cotito is one of the uh, major percussionists of mm. Afro music here in Peru. Ah. And he used to play with Susana Baca. He, he's been in San Francisco many times with Susana. Okay. Um, he's a cajon player for Susana, or was until last year. Oh, yeah, I have seen him then. Okay. Um, he will be going with us. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, Marcos Mosquera is another major uh, Afro percussionist here. He's doing congas. Um uh, we have an eight-piece band. We'll be going there with um, nice. three percussions and electronic sounds and guitar, bass, mm-hmm. vocalist. Vocalist is Milagros, who sings most of the female songs. Oh, uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you'll hear, yeah, it's the same band that went uh, uh, to San Francisco in, in 2009. Okay. Went to L.A. and, and um, we played uh, Yoshi's. You did? Oh, and I totally yeah, Oakland, missed you. Oakland, right? yeah, in Oakland, Yeah, I'm in Oakland. I'll be done. <laughs> oh. She's in um, July 09. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. And I missed you. Darn. Well, I'm not missing you this time. Oh, wow. It's the same band that recorded most of the songs in Coca-Cola. 
Okay. Oh, wow, that is so cool. So so tell me about so do you all are do you all play instruments and sing or do you just sing? And who? Uh um the four of you. Um No no guitar bass, keyboards and and beats. Oh. So what what which one are you? What do you do? Guitar. Ah, okay. And uh and Ramon what which is he? Ramon is a uh, keys. Keyboard. Okay. Ramon does the beats. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Carlos uh does the bass but in the live band Carlos does, does not play in the live band, he plays Alfonso, another guy. Mhm. Oh, okay. Oh, that should be really cool. Sounds like you're gonna have as much fun as it sounds like you're having in, in, in on the CD. <laughs> oh, it's much better life. <laughs> oh yeah, cool, super. So tell me about some of the um, of of the selections on um, uh, Coba Coba and then on uh, the remix, because um, you know I think about Bamba and uh, and and that's um, uh, let's see Puerto Rican. Um, uh, they have the bomba, and and so I was just wondering about and then some of the some of the lyrics that I can catch because uh, I'm not fluent in Spanish. Uh, are you singing in Spanish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think. Oh wow! I I know this because this is you know Afro um, uh, Cuban. <laughs> you know that's a rhythm. Okay. So I was just wondering if you could well, talk we about with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about sort of just. Um, uh, you know, sort of what is Afro Latin, and and sort of the integration of of Latin Afro Latin music, and and how it sort of shows up uh, organically in, a lot of times in in the music. And if you know, if you if you've been sort of listening or studying the various styles, you like see some you know some of some overlap. Well, the, I don't see much overlap really with uh, with Afro music. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of it technically, the mm-hmm. tempos and, and the rhythms are different. Uh-huh. Everything Afro music, most most of the tempos are in, in groups of threes. Uh, if you, can, you look at it technically, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, six eighths and three fourths, and even if when you play a straight four four rhythm, it's in triplets, which is different than than. Than the other Afro-Latin rhythms, really, which are mostly in four-four. Okay. If you, that's technically right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's because, um, uh, but but we have a lot of uh, similarities with uh, West African Angolan oh. rhythms. Like Machete okay. is a big hit in Angola, for example. Okay. We have a lot of people from Angola writing to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got <laughs> how they got to it, but um, somehow it went to it reached Angola. Um, and I think it's because of the, the black people that came to Peru came from those regions of Africa, so they ah. kept those original tribal rhythms. Mm-hmm. People that went to Cuba, other parts came from a different part of Africa, and, mm-hmm. and um, that's how what Cuba music is different. But we we listen to that a lot, mm-hmm. of uh, um, old sixties and seventies Cuban music and seventies mm-hmm. uh, Puerto Rican. Salsa and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. definitely, you hear some influences and of that in the uh, mm-hmm. the albums. Right. Especially one of the percussionists, Marcos, is uh, he's crazy about salsa dura from the 70s, like Hector Lavoe, Willie Colon. So mm-hmm. he, being Afro-Peruvian, <laughs> he he brings a lot of those uh, um, salsa rhythms as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So um, so tell me about. Um, 
you know, some of the uh, the selections on on your your current um, CD that um, I guess people feel to pick up at the gig as well uh, that are sort of a, a blend of like the old and the new. Some of the selections. Um well, the first one that you hear on the album is a, is a, tradition, a traditional rhythm called Marinera. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's called Conche, it's Conche Perla, right? Right, uh-huh. So that's actually a track that my great-grandmother <laughs> did uh, like a hundred years ago. Really? Yeah, it's on the album. In the, in the, do you have the original album? Because in the sleep notes, you have all the history. Uh, of it. But I, I can send it to you. I can yeah. I email it to you. Okay. You have, you have the history of each track, actually. Mm, okay, yeah. Actually, it's much better I send it to you, because <laughs> otherwise it can take an hour. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah you, you'll get it better if you read it. Oh. But um, <laughs> okay. well, that's that's. I mean, normally we put a, a lot of um, uh, dub and reggae. I mean, we we pump up the bass and the rhythms, mm-hmm. and we try to keep it uh, more simple than maybe the original tracks that have yeah. a lot of changes and a lot of instrumentation. And mm-hmm. we want the listener to concentrate uh, on the beat. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we do. So we would just uh, give it more space to breathe. Right. The tracks, yeah, mm-hmm. and focus on one or two key themes of the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, make it more dubby, more spacey, and th- that's what normally what uh, our approach to, mm-hmm. to producing. Yeah, yeah. I um I did find the liner notes, and it says that um for the first one, Conche uh, Perla, is based on one of the most recognized melodies in Peru, and and it means pearl shell, mother of pearl. Yeah. And exactly. yeah, but then also track number five, um, Afro Africa Londo. That's you, you. You wrote the music to that one, yeah, and right. and the music's based on a lyrics are based on a poem by uh, Naco Mendes. Oh, uh, you have it. You, you have the liner notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it. Yeah, and and you yeah. did you did the lyrics too. It's like, oh, you are quite a writer. <laughs> no, the lyrics are Nico Mendes and Dagruz is uh, no, an old poet. I know, no, but but additional lyrics are you added lyrics. Oh, additional lyrics. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. Yeah, some of it, some spi- spicy, <laughs> some spicy. <laughs> A bit there just to make it a fit in a in a, in a song format. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and then we find you again on on you know on a camote. How do you pronounce it? Camote. Camote. Yeah. Camote. That's a traditional song I did, but I rewrote the music. So I kept the lyrics and the the the, the melody of the vocals. Mm-hmm. But uh, just did the bass line and the production, the, the horns and the, all those things. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times we we like a, a, an old lyric or melody, and we just compose a new a new um, bass line and, and and chord structure around it. Mhm. Right. Yeah. So, do you all have other other um, like albums that came out that we just didn't you know they just didn't make it here um, you know to the United Afro. States? You have Afro. Uh. Uh-uh, no. Oh, that's a great, that's a great one. Oh, okay. One. Afro, okay. Yeah, you can um, you can find it on iTunes and internet. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. And and what others? What others do you all have? Well, the first one we did is called Nova Lima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got that one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Nova Lima Afro is considered the best for for really? people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, how? And then Oh, uh, yeah. Uh huh. Uh, then the Coca-Cola remixed, and we just finished the, la- the last one. 
So we hope to release it in August. Mm-hmm. What's it called? A new one. It's going to go called Karimba. 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 Okay. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Wow. Have you been to Angola? Has the group been to Angola? No, no. Not yet? We'd love to because uh, <laughs> from all the mails we get from Angola, we'd love to go no? but, uh, mm-hmm. to play for the people there, but uh, no, not yet. No African uh, shows yet. Oh, really? None yet at all? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... All around Europe, Asia, mm-hmm. and U.S. and Canada, and South America. Okay. Mexico. South America. Mm-hmm. We still have to go to Africa and to Australia, those parts of the world. Yeah, that would be really I, cool. I haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you played in New Orleans? No. No? New Orleans, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there's a big prison there that was a plantation called Ang- that's called Angola. Uh-huh. And um, and it's called Angola because a lot of the people that were enslaved there were from Angola. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And now it's now it's a prison, so it still has its similar uh, use um, of you know of in, you know of keeping people captive. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the largest prison in this country, it's the largest oh. state prison in this country. Yeah, it's called Angola. Well, really, we depend uh, on the on the promoters. Uh huh. Ah, oh, yeah, because they have. The promoter, yeah. We don't organize the shows, so if there's right. a promoter in a mm-hmm. city that wants mm-hmm. wants us, and yeah. we go. <laughs> okay, yeah, because there's a big jazz festival in in New Orleans every year. They have to invest in bringing the band and <laughs> the tickets and mm-hmm. you know, hotels and the whole right. thing. So yeah. it's not up to us, really. It's not a lot of mm-hmm. times we get. Uh, Emails from people that have the record. Hey, you have to come to this city or this other city. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would love to, but <laughs> mm-hmm. someone has to bring me. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. We'll have to try to work on that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Until yeah. you can get to Africa. So, wow. It's been really lovely speaking to you. Um, yeah. It's been really great. And uh, sounds like you have a a cold. So hopefully you'll you'll feel better. Yeah, we're starting the winter here. That's why. Are you serious? Winter? Yeah. Oh my. Uh-huh. Oh, and I guess it gets cold there? Winter is starting right now, so... Yeah. yeah it starts oh. start to getting cold. Oh, okay. Well, it's good you come in here. It's warm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a time of the year where everyone gets a cold. Oh, uh, okay. So what's the time difference? Uh, it's morning here. Is it evening there? It's 12.25 noon. Oh, okay. Oh, it's not that different. Okay. Yeah, what time is it in the water? It's, um, it's, yeah, it's 10. Uh-huh. 10.25. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're two hours different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. Well, safe so travels. Where, Sorry, go ahead. Hmm? Where's your um? So you're working for which uh, media? Oh, I'm um. I have a uh, an internet radio show, Wanda's Picks, and I have a column in a local newspaper, uh, black newspaper. It's called San oh. Francisco Bayview newspaper. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I hope you'll bring people to. Uh, so the show, we have a few shows over there, actually. Hmm? We have, um, I don't know if you saw the um, the list of shows we have. Um, let's see. I know you have a show in San Francisco. Um, where, are she, where else are you going to be uh, in the Bay Area? I know you're going to be in San Francisco at the Brick and Mortar Music Hall on uh, Saturday, June Mortar, 25th. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Let me see. Um, I also also send you a link to that because um, mm-hmm. we have... Uh, where did I see this? Just now. I have the whole list and I'll email it to you. Okay, sure. Yeah. No um, 
You're probably going to be going down to Southern California as well, and maybe even Northern California, since you're in, going to be in the area. We have uh, a few shows over there, actually three or four shows in the area. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I'll, I'll limit it to you. I'll, okay, the e-card, I have it here. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, there's an e-card, I'm just sending it to you now. All righty. Okay, the e-card. So, yeah, bricks and mortars. Mm-hmm. Let me see what else we have. Okay, um, Santa Cruz, Don, Quixo Don Quixote, you know that one? Oh, no, I don't know that Don one. Quixote. I know where it's... Oh, Don Quixote, that should be interesting. No, I don't know Don Quixote, but I know where Santa Cruz is. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Santa Cruz. Is it close? Um, it's about about two or three hours, depending on the traffic. From San Francisco? Uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, more or less. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if the people love the, uh, on the 25, they can uh, make the trip. Oh, yeah, 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 they definitely could, yeah, they could, they could follow you all there. Yeah. <laughs> That's not that. <laughs> <laughs> really good that you mentioned both, well, because in the same same area, really. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah certainly I'll mention both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll mention all of them, all the ones that are in California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you get the, the link? Um, Are you on the, on the internet or not? Let me see. Uh... <clears throat> Refreshing my link. Uh. Oh, yeah, you're going to be, uh, oh, you're in Pasadena before you come. You've been in Pasadena and Los Angeles, so you'll be in Southern California, and then you'll be in San Francisco, Southern California on the 23rd, 24th, 25th, you'll be at the Brick and Mortar. 28th, you'll be at Don Quixote in Santa Cruz. The thirtieth, you'll be in. Oh, you won't. You won't be in California anymore. <laughs> you'll be in Vermont uh, on the thirtieth, and then you'll you'll be in Vermont uh, on the first at uh, Melbury College, and then you'll be oh at the Montreal Jazz Festival. Have you all played there before? Uh, in Montreal, yes, but not in the jazz festival. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, that should be fun. And yeah, then you and you'll be yeah. Oh, you're gonna be in New York and all oh, in the Central Park Summer Stage Summer Festival Summer Stage. That yeah, should be nice. Huh? Yeah, I hear that's really good. And then uh, and then you'll be in London, and that's your old stumping ground. <laughs> no, that's London, Canada. <laughs> Oh, London. Oh, in Ontario. Oh, I didn't know it was in London, Ontario. Wow, I never heard of that before. Oh, that's yeah. cute. That gets you. Oh, so London, Ontario, and then Quebec, and 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 then you'll be in Massachusetts and Minneapolis, and then you'll be in Chicago. Chicago should be hot. I'll tell my friends in Chicago to check you out. Sure. Okay. Everyone has to come. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So we have um, we have four opportunities to catch you in California. Two in Northern California, two in Southern California. Okay, that should be nice. You can have a nice tour. Yeah, looks yeah, nice. Yeah, looks going to be really good. Yeah, you all look really good on the uh, postcard. <laughs> <laughs> so which I'm one? The, I'm in the center. I'm in the, the main guy. <laughs> yeah, you're the one standing in the front. Yeah. Up close. Okay. <laughs> me, me and my band. <laughs> my right. solo project. Right, yeah, cool, super. <laughs> So that was an interview with uh, Rafael Morales um, <clears throat> about Nova Lima and their tour. And so we are going to um, to close with another interview, um, not interview, um, actually, uh, with uh, a program 
It's called Libations for the Ancestors, and I haven't listened to this one in a while. And it goes back to June 8th, 2012, so that would have been Monday. Um, it's uh, it's an anniversary um, of, of, the, of the broadcast. So anyway, so enjoy, and uh, we're going to rebroadcast some other conversations with... Uh, with um, members of of various coalitions who are are doing ancestor rituals on Friday. We're not going to have a live show on Friday. So just stay tuned for something fun and something engaging. And definitely um, want you to tune in, not tune in, but join us in Facebook Live at RememberTheAncestors.com. Uh, 8.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time for the Global Virtual Libations and Prayers to African Ancestors of the Middle Passage. Greening of that wonderful, wonderful film, and I thought it was appropriate, don't you think so? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, since we're going to be talking about libations for the ancestors uh, June 9th, and... um, when Osei, uh Terry Chandler sent me an email this morning, the roll call, who's on board thus far? He's got Brooklyn, New York, Charleston, South Carolina, Georgetown, South Carolina, San Francisco, but that's really Oakland, California, uh, Hampton, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Atlanta, Georgia, possibly. Is that a, a, is it is it for sure now, or is it still possibly? Which one? Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, yes, I think it's pretty. I hadn't got confirmation. I'm sorry to say. Okay, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Ghana, West Africa, mm-hmm. uh, which is where um, this uh, Sankofa was was filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portobello, Panama, mm-hmm. Saint Saint Croix, Virgin Islands. It's like that's ooh. new. That's yeah. new. That's a new one. That's a new one. Okay. That is cool. Hey, cool. How you doing, Sister Wanda? I'm doing so good. 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 We got like a whole lot of great folks on the line to talk about libations for the answers. So, um, uh, Brother Osei, uh, mm-hmm. why don't you start it off? Why don't you kick it off and talk about this um, annual simultaneous libation for the ancestors? So, wherever you are, the time zone that you're in, if you're in California mm-hmm. or Pacific time, it's 9 a.m. We're all pouring at the same time. If you're yeah. in New York, mm-hmm. it's. Um, 12 noon Eastern time. If you're in Texas, it's 11 o'clock Central Time. I don't know what time it is if you're in Virgin Islands or if you're in West Africa. (laughs) I think Um, Virgin Islands is with us on Eastern Standard Time, but Africa might be um, as much as six or seven hours difference. But um, my friend Bill Jones, who can't be with us today, um, he uh, helps coordinate that one. And, oh, the time uh, zone stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, 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 we all have different um, cities that we're in touch with, and he's in touch with uh, Cape Coast Castle. Oh. And uh, one of the things that's happened was has been happening. Well, in, uh, rewind. <laughs> I think it started in about 25 years ago up in, in Brooklyn, New York, with Brother Tony Akeem, uh, who works at Medgar Evers, and um, he has an organization there that they began doing a tribute to the ancestors at Coney Island at a particular place because he found that that particular site was where um, many ships did come in as well. Um, subsequent to that, Brother Adiemi Bandelli, who was in Atlanta at the time, came to me and Sister Deborah here in Charleston, South Carolina, 
um, over at the Avery Research Center for African American History, and suggested strongly that um, we we hold we host a, a similar event here, because this was the uh, site where we go to on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina, is where many uh, 60% of the ships that brought Africans to America to make into slaves. This is where they came through. So we actually go to the port where they came um, here in in, um, in 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 South Carolina, which we found to be very important and very spiritual as well. Somehow, I think we talked to you, uh, Sister Shakuro, put us in touch with you. And even though you already have a Ma'afa program that you're doing in October, you were gracious and um, insightful enough to join us uh, in in our celebration ceremony that we do so that we can be more in, in, in synchronicity, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been growing since then because what, what happens is some folks might come to our, our event. They may be visiting. This is a very festival time of the year here in um, Charleston. And they come to our event and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come again next year. And we remind them, you can do this wherever you are, you know. Okay. And you can uh, honor those Africans that perished in the Middle Passage because um, if we don't, who else will, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's basically um, why we do that. And also, it doesn't hurt that we get some blessings when we when we remember our ancestors, you know? People talk about, well, ancestors gave us birth. That's it, you know? We, we appreciate God. But if the gods could have children, my friend Bill says, baby was be falling, would be falling out of the sky. It takes people to have children, and those were our ancestors, and we must honor them. That's the way we feel about it. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, very, very well said, and, and I certainly agree. Um, we uh, we do have our Ma'afa commemoration in October, actually the whole month of October here in the wow. San Francisco Bay Area, um, San Francisco, Oakland, the greater Bay Area. Um, and then we have a ritual at Ocean Beach, the first, not the first, but it's the day before Indigenous Peoples Day. And this year, actually, we're looking at doing a weekend retreat. So the Friday evening, Saturday, wow. we have some workshops. And then Sunday, we'd all get up and go to the ocean. So we're looking forward to that. Um, yes, but when our, our good friend, Sister Shikuru uh, Saunders, who is just like such a great convener of Isn't she? bike spirits, she's just, yeah. Man, I praise, love her. Praise for the wonderful sister. She's such a great woman. Um, she introduced us. Yes, it's like, oh, certainly we want to be a part of a simultaneous libation. Like, oh, my right. God, we're all pouring at the same time. Yes, yes. So I think we, we joined you maybe five years ago this year, and okay. we started in San Francisco. Um, because that's where we pour libations uh, for the ancestors in October. Um, but then we moved back to Oakland because most of us are in the East Bay, and it just was easier. So we told folks in San Francisco, y'all pour at 9 o'clock over there, and we'll pour over here in Oakland. And if you're in Richmond, California, you pour at 9 there. If you're in Sacramento, you know, if you're in San Jose, or if you're just, like, driving your car and at 9 o'clock comes around, you pull over on the freeway, and you pour with us. <laughs> because... Um, you know, as, you know, the Sankofa, you know, that opening um, sort of invocation says, you know, spirit of the dead, rise up. You know, we want them to rise up because we remember them because if yeah. it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. So I'm really happy to have, um, you know, Chadra Pittman uh, walk on the on the, uh, on the the line uh, oh, along good. with Sister Deborah and, right. um, and your son, um, yeah, Azikwe, right? That's right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's like I got all these great bios to read. So why don't why don't I start with these? 
and, and Sister Deborah, you you joined us last year because um, I think um, something was happening, some important. Um, you were opening an exhibit or something when you both were on the air yeah, the last time together. I was in the middle of something, so um, there was an exhibit opening, and I was kind of on and off and. And really, I'm just here for support. I'll say no's. I'm, and my, everybody knows I'm a person with a few words. I just like to kind of help in the background, but I'm here for support. I'm here in Virginia with my sister Shadra, who's uh, uh, um, hosting her first annual remembrance program, and it's coming together beautifully. So I'm enjoying being here and doing that. So I'm sure she has a lot of great words. Is Sister Afua on the on the air too? No, no, Sister. She didn't make it. No, she did. And then As the yet? okay. And then the person from um, Seattle. Um, that's that's stuff four. Oh, that's stuff four. Oh, okay. No, she hasn't hasn't joined us yet. Okay. Um, but perhaps you could tell us about um, what's going to be happening in in Seattle because that's Pacific Northwest. So she's on our coast, which is really awesome. She is. She is. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to actually. Um, well, they're going to be doing the same thing, and I need to probably just go for a second and grab my phone and see if she's trying to maybe oh, oh, that'd be maybe she didn't have the number. Okay. So, um but they're gonna be doing uh the same thing. They have a nice little program going that they planned. Um I guess they'll be pouring libation at the same time. That's three hours difference. Mm-hmm. And I think they're gonna do something they're gonna have a little potluck af- afterwards. Yeah. So they're sounding good. so everybody does something a little different but we're all in sync with the libation. We're all in sync with what the purpose is and right. you know, and how sacred we hold this. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, since since you um you're talking, why don't I just give people a little background on you first before you before you step away, uh, Sister Deborah? Okay. So Deborah Wright of the Charleston, South Carolina Remembrance, is a native of South Carolina but was raised in New York. Uh, she regards herself as a Pan Africanist and currently works at the Avery Research for African American History and Culture. In her spare time, she is an avid reader and designs African inspired jewelry. So we're looking for that website so we can link to it. Okay. It's a beautiful jewelry. <laughs> Trust me, you will want it. It's yeah, oh, stunningly uh, beautiful. Stunningly uh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, and then we have um, Sister uh, Chaitra Pittman-Walk. Yeah. Is it yeah. Walk? Yes, okay. that's correct. Of Violent. Hampton, Virginia Remembrance. And she describes herself as a mother, anthropologist, writer, dancer, and advocate. She was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. All these New Yorkers, my goodness. Yeah, New York in the house. <laughs> Definitely. Chadra uh, uh, holds a B.A. in anthropology and a minor in African-American studies from George Mason University. Where is that at? That's in Fairfax, Virginia. Okay. Uh, right outside uh, of Washington, D.C., Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she worked at the African Burial Ground Project for real. Yeah, that's where Deborah and I met. Oh. Yes. Wow, you were doing the digs, maybe? Really? Yes. Well, no, I wasn't doing the actual excavation. I wasn't. We were doing the cultural um, component. We were, we oh. worked as public educators. So we would go out into the community and uh, do lectures on Africans in colonial New York. We would talk about the artifacts that were recovered from the site. Um, but no, I didn't do the actual excavation. That was I was never into archaeology in that way. I wanted to do the language and the people and that sort of thing. But um, okay. but that's how Sister Deborah and I met. Yeah, that's so not the physical anthropology. Wow. So so you know our sister, our ancestor June Jordan. Yes. Oh, because yes. yeah, because she did the um, uh, she wrote the the lyrics for the libretto. 
Yeah, well, um, I I mean, I know her of in, in the sense of, of knowing. I mean, I've met Sister Sanchez, Sonia Sanchez, yeah. and she was involved in some things too. But, um, yeah, actually, I absolutely love June Jordan. One of her favorite, my favorite poems is a poem about my rights. I read it often. <laughs> Talented sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, we really miss her. Um, the uh, June Jordan's poetry for the people just had their 25th anniversary um, yeah. this year yeah. at UC Berkeley. Oh wow, wow, small world. Small um, world. We're all connected. Yeah. As I'm certainly, saying. certainly. And you're also the proud mother of two amazing sons and a yeah. partner to your husband of 10 years. And uh, let's see, you study languages and culture, and you read and garden um, uh, as uh, for for your. I guess what you do in your spare time and That's right. as a hobby. Yes. Nice. What what languages are you studying presently? Portuguese. And oh, okay. um yeah, I love Portuguese. I'm my my dream is to head to Bahia and do oh. some work there, being that that's the you know, second largest population of us outside of the continent of Africa is in Brazil. Yeah. I think we need to we need to go there. Oh, super. So I want to go in December, so let's let's do that. Ooh, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we need to ask uh Zique, um you know, you need you need to go with us cuz you you've led excavations, I believe, right? There? Um, yes, I've, I've uh led a few expedi- expeditions, but not to Bahia. I was there on um on a personal trip working on a on a manuscript while I was there. Um, but I was there for about 5 months and uh and definitely fell in love with um with the country, but uh but Bahia in particular. Absolutely. Oh, well, well that'll work. Um can can you like arrange to go in December? <laughs> We can plan an educational trip. This would be this would be fantastic. We should we should talk. I'm, okay. I love let's, it. I let's love definitely talk. Yeah, we have time to work that out. Yeah, um wow, I was so amazed, Ezekwe, uh, with your, your I didn't know which one of the four or five you know, two semis like Oh, which one? The one we worshipped you, the one we led all these expeditions, I think fourteen or so. Um, the one where he's like, Are you like are you the architect yet? Or are you studying architecture or you already did that part? I'm like, <laughs> Well it, it's a bachelor of architecture that I that I earned a while back and um and I decided uh sophomore year at the university that I that I wouldn't be an architect because I thought that youth calling uh youth youth development was my calling. So um after about uh well, several years of, of expedition leading and, and um, volunteer work, you know, whether as a Peace Corps volunteer or as an AmeriCorps member, um, I've come back to Charleston to start graduate school. In fact, I'll be um, a graduate assistant at the Avery Institute um, at the College of Charleston, working closely with Sister Deborah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but in order to earn my uh, Master of Arts in Teaching and uh, eventually uh, run my own school here in Charleston. Right, you're gonna have a um a charter school. What is it, 2018 or 2000? <laughs> 2000 what? That's what I that's what I'm looking. Oh. Yeah, I want to teach for a couple of years and then um and then work on the uh, development of the charter school. But um 2018 is the is the date that I'm setting for myself to have it up and running. That is super. And and you you're fluent in Italian and Spanish, and you have a working knowledge of Kiswahili, Portuguese, and Korean. And if people yeah. can visit your website and look at your photo- photographs, why don't you give us your website? Um, it's azikwechandler uh, dot com. A z i k i w e c h a n d l e r dot com. Um, and yeah, the the uh, I must admit the the Kiswahili and the um, uh, Korean and Portuguese are are rusty, just about buried under the Spanish and the Italian at this point, since I haven't used them in a few years. 
Yeah, that's why you need, we need to go to Brazil. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, so get unresty, yeah, if that's such a word. And and then I was just thinking, you you know, you were a part of the U.S. experiment in international living, and um, my 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 younger daughter, she did um, experience experiments in international living twice. She did it in um, uh, Spain and uh, and and um, Antequera. She was there one summer for three months, and then she did it when she went to um, Mexico, um, when she went to the University of um, uh, Guanajuato. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she has she has Spanish. That's that's her other language. Right. <laughs> and I've got I've got Arabic. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Yeah. So um, wow, wow. So let's see. Um, so where do we start? So why don't we start with um our newest um um. Addition to the roll call, so um, so let's see. Why don't we start with um, Sister Chadra? Chadra, yeah. Why don't you tell us, you know, about about the uh, remembrance that you're going to be hosting and why you wanted to host it and what you have planned? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I just want to say I'm excited to be even on this call and having an opportunity to to. Um, be with like-minded people as we do this work together because it's it's sacred, as Sister Deborah said. And, um, you know, my interest in um, burial grounds and ancestors started a long time ago back when I was at the Burial Ground Project where I first met Sister Deborah. And since that time, you know, when Deborah and Osei started the Remembrance in Charleston, I went to one of the Remembrance programs and was moved. Prior to that, Sister Deborah had taken me in New York to the one at Coney Island. And, um, you know, being here in Virginia, I just kept thinking about Virginia and the fact that this is the birthplace of enslavement. Um, this is where those first 20 Africans came off the white line, the ship, the Dutch ship, at Fort, uh, Fort Monroe, which used to be called Point Comfort. And I just thought it was significant that we have a remembrance program here um, that we need to be tapped into. Um, as as Tony Cape Barr says, you know, we need to tap into that ancestral presence in the water. So I talked to Deborah about it, and she was so incredibly supportive between making this amazing flyer, which has been sent everywhere. Um, people, when they see the flyer, are moved. It's uh, an amazing image on there by, um, by Jason uh, Taylor, an artist that created an underwater sculpture in Grenada. And um, even the scholars in the area, I contacted uh, Dr. Joanne Braxton, who's at the College of William and Mary, and she's the director of the Middle Passage Project. I told her about the work that I wanted to do. She couldn't come to the program, but she sent sage for us to burn at the program. Um, there was another sister who has done a lot of work here um, for the Global Slavery Remembrance Day, Sister Benita Benitez. She also hasn't been in contact. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such important work for us to connect with our ancestors, and and I know the ancestors have their hands in this because the connections that have come to me could not I couldn't have made this myself. I couldn't have done this myself. So we're really excited. Our program is going to be on Buckrow Beach, and um, it starts at 11 o'clock, and we have you know the libation happening at noon, and um, it's going to be a beautiful day of drumming and dance and history and uh, dramatic performances, and, um, you know, this is, what we're, this is what we're supposed to do. We're doing this in remembrance of them, you know, for all of our ancestors that never made it off of those ships, for all of our ancestors who lay chained next to the sick and dying, for the ones who jumped overboard, 
you know, who never saw land again. This is in remembrance of them. So um, we're really excited, and I'm just so honored and blessed and pleased that I have Sister Deborah here with me. We go way back, <laughs> and um, it just warms my heart that she she left her home and her brother Osei and, and Ezekwe to come to Virginia <laughs> to be with me as I embark on this first first remembrance so it's just it's wonderful how we all have come together to do this important this important work and i just i'm so grateful for sister deborah oh that's so wonderful yeah. uh sister chedra um is there a contact phone number email yes. address or anything definitely like that? the contact phone number would be 757-816-1579 and then uh i can give an email if that's okay yeah, please. For people, yeah, it's Shadra, C-H-A-D-R-A, P as in Paul, W as in walk, at gmail.com. So if anyone wants to know more information about the program, um, they can definitely be in contact through those through those numbers and email. Okay, super. And I think we've been joined by Sister Fua, and I know we've been joined by Kavinse uh, Chike out of uh, Detroit, who um, has a remembrance that uh, he coordinates in Detroit, Michigan. Um, the um, it's going to be next week. So um, welcome yeah. to both of you. So Sister Fua, why don't you why don't you um, you be uh, next because we're talking about folks that are are participating in the Libations for the Ancestors. This is your first year, and so I want you to talk about what's going on in Washington uh, State. Well, wonderful. Greetings, everyone. And, Greetings, uh, This is Deborah. Thank you for being uh, a little tardy on the call, um, but it is much earlier here in Seattle. Um, yeah, well, this is um, SRDC, the sixth um, region diaspora caucus of Washington State that will be hosting this um, in conjunction with my company, Adefua, African Music and Dance Company. And, you know, um, yeah, this has been going on for a long time, but it's it's really hard in Seattle to really gather our people for something like this, especially when we've disbanded for so long. Um, there was a, an event that was called the Ma'afa that we did, and we piggybacked off of what we knew was a part of our greatness. And it, it happened... Um, also, as we plan it to happen tomorrow morning, um, but our our struggle is just trying to get our people uh, reconnected, and so it it's going to be a rainy day here in Seattle tomorrow, but we'll still kick it off with um, 11 o'clock. We're going to uh, have a drum talk and you know just invite you know the spirits in, and uh, we'll have some explanations of the middle passage and and we'll ask for that to be a communal um, offering from the community. And then we'll all also have some cultural expressions. We've asked some of our sisters and brothers that are um, uh, known talent here to host like an open mic because we're really trying to gather the people back together again. And then we'll be ready um, for a very explosive session of libations to start right at 12 noon. And then right after that, we'll have some comments, and we'll talk about what's next, and then we'll follow that with a potluck. And uh, the whole event is going to be surrounded by uh, the drumming, the dance, and and just, you know, free spirit. And uh, we're excited about it. Rain or shine, we're going to be out there, and it'll be held at Seward Park in Seattle. 
Uh, Seward Park is located um, on the south end of Seattle, and it's it's a very uh, luscious park, and and we seem to um, have a really good time there at Seward Park. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I remember uh, when I did a search for Mahafa commemorations in the United States that Seattle, Washington did come up, and it was uh, what I really was really impressed with was how wide-ranging the support was. I mean, it was actually on the city of Seattle's website. That's where I found yeah. it. And I'm thinking, like, wow, the city is, like, super-duper involved. Like, that is hot. How do they do that? That is wonderful. And and I don't know if you're the person I spoke to, but I spoke to someone. It's been, like, maybe five, six years ago about the Seattle uh, commemoration, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I knew when it was happening so that we could mm-hmm. – so that I could let my folks know here and we could – you know, support one another, and so I'm really happy. I was really happy to hear that you know Seattle's participating in the um, in the libations for the ancestors because I think your um, commemoration has always been like in the summer, right? Has been, yes. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. So that is really awesome. So, Sister Fua, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what <laughs> brings you to this kind of work, and how do how do well, you know our folks? Well, you know, I yeah love our people and uh being that C or Washington State holds less than five percent African and African American population, I've always been a young spirit and an old spirit, you know, just working at how we learn and preserve our culture. So I've raised um uh, foster children for 19 years and my own three biological adult children into learning, studying, and performing our culture um, in the community and on stage. So I have an, uh, a West African drumming and dance company called Adefua, and uh, and we are really doing the work here in Seattle. And it's been a very, um, uh, a, a very good um, commitment to the community, and we're just going to remain steadfast here. You know, it's very, very small. But um, I will give thanks to say that Falasha uh, De Far um, is she's the the person. She's our facilitator for SRDC here in Washington State, and she, um, you know, put the spear in and said, "Afua, get this going." <laughs> so, you know, without a doubt, without even thinking about it twice, we are making this happen, and we're going to look at it with the inclusion model. Um, I'm very happy to um, to be on this broadcast just to let everyone out there know that um, that we're, we're we are restarting. You know, we're not um, you know we're not letting it go. It's really important for us to preserve our culture at all costs and all mediums, and so that's why we're here. Awesome, awesome. Okay, and. Uh Kavinsay, um, why don't you tell us about what you do in Detroit? Okay, thank you uh, for having me, and uh, I appreciate all the people that are doing this work. Uh, my name is Kavinsay TK, and I'm one of six of the original founding members of the Adasi Detroit. Adasi is an acronym for the African Diaspora Ancestral Commemoration Institute. And we took our lead from an organization by the same name in Washington, D.C. 
This will be our 12th uh, annual, what we call the Carnival of the Spirit, and we gather at sunrise at Belal, which is a major city park, which is surrounded by the Detroit River. At sunrise, the third Saturday of June for the past 11 years, and we gather there. We do a procession with African drumming. We pour libations. We usually have some uh, creative expression. We have a candle lighting ceremony for our personal ancestors, and we also have candles lit, and we honor ancestors, local ancestors or national or international ancestors that have made their transition over the past year, and the culmination is uh, offering to the ancestors in the Middle Passage. That is the key focus to honor and call on and venerate the spirit of those who were lost during the Middle Passage because we see them as an essential part of the Sankofa process of re-Africanization, and that's kind of a short synopsis of what we do. Yeah, um, Kofense, um could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to this work? Well, my name is Kofense Chike. As I said, I have been a black nationalist, community activist, and African drummer for all my adult life for over 30 years. And in my, as I have progressed and developed spiritually, I found myself to become a practitioner of the Akan religion. Uh, one of the things that I found several years ago that we have negated various spiritual rituals that are part, that are a part of our cultural heritage. So uh, studying Marimba Ani and other scholars' work, uh, I came to realize the importance of ancestor veneration as a part of our own spiritual development. So I joined the Akan religion but pulling from uh, the intellectual aspects, uh, that inspired as well as in the early 90s, I became aware of a similar ceremony that was being conducted in Washington, D.C. by the uh, Adasi chapter in Washington, D.C. So that's kind of the short version. Of course, it's much more complicated than that. But <laughs> for time purposes, that's, that's, that's the the truncated version of how I came to this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ezekiel, why don't you tell us about what's planned um, in your neck of the woods? Uh, well, first of all, I, I you know I want to offer um, thanks and praise as well, to not only to the ancestors, but Sister Deborah is very much behind the scenes and, and modest and doesn't like to take a whole lot of credit. But um, yeah. you know, she and my father were the ones getting this off the ground. And um, and you heard Sister Shader talk about the um, the artwork and, and the programs that, that many of us are using right now. And a lot of that is, is her work, you know. So she's been very instrumental in, in helping us, you know, just been able to recycle a lot of the things that she's done for us, from getting a permit to go use Fort Moultrie, um, which is on Sullivan's Island. And uh, we, we consider Sullivan's Island one of the major entry points um, here in Charleston. So we start there at um, Fort Moultrie on Sullivan's Island. We start with a um, uh, an introduction, a welcome. We then have one of the park rangers, uh, a brother by the name of Donnell Singleton, who's been working there for a while. Will um, give us a historical synopsis of um, you know that area, Sullivan's Island and Fort Moultrie, and how that's important. And then we have an author and historian by the name of Herb Fraser, who's um, who's written a book and uh, done some traveling in East Africa, uh, West Africa, and he's going to talk about the connection 
um, there, and uh, not only in terms of um, the slave trade, but also in, in modern day times in terms of um, the sweet grass baskets and the language, et cetera, from his travels um, throughout West Africa. Uh, we then have a, proce a procession to the beach um, led by uh, Coach Bob Smalls and uh, the African drummers, and we take a, a short walk to the beach. Um, there's drumming and dancing, and, and folks are um, able to, to dip their toes into the same waters that um, the slave ships would have come through, that our ancestors would have uh, deboarded. From there, we go back to um, uh, near the uh, Fort Moultrie, the visitor center, where um, Tony Morrison's bench by the road is, and uh, that's where we perform um, our the actual ceremony in the healing rites. So um, we Pop doesn't notice yet, but uh, but if he's up for it, we're going to have him um, uh, speak on the occasion and, and ask the elders permission. If he's not up for it, then we'll have someone else do it. Um, and then we allow the um, everyone who's gathered to offer their prayers uh, and, and blessings and offerings um, for the ancestors, uh, those who whose names we, we don't know as well as those whose names we do in our personal um, people who we've lost. Um, and then we uh, we bless those offerings, uh, flowers, fruit, and uh, and then we place those in the water um, from the pier, and uh, and we we end with final words. But um, the prayers and offerings are uh, we we invite clergy and elders and um, and those in the traditions, uh, various African traditions, to come and bless the offerings, and before we place the offerings in the water. Mm -hmm. Um. I, we were joined by another person, and I'm not certain if. Um, good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks. Um, I don't know the prefix, and I don't know if you are joining us to speak about a commemoration in your community. A caller. Hmm. Hello? No? Maybe they're just listening. Can you hear us now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Uh -huh. Greetings, Hitchup. How are you doing? This is Ms. Tutmut Asaka Chinsira of Parent oh. University in the Virgin Islands. Greetings. This has been very informative. Very oh, informative. Greetings. Oh, that is so cool. Wow. So, <laughs> oh, this is excellent. Didn't know if you were going to be able to make it. Oh, this is excellent. So, um, well, Dr. Tell us Chin, I'm so glad you're here. This is Deborah. <laughs> greetings. Greetings. <laughs>
aware of what has been happening on the second Saturday of June of every year for quite some time. So we're really honored to just be able to share in the commemorative piece in terms of doing a wreath, um, having a libation, you know, in harmony with the 12 million Eastern time libation that has been suggested by the information we gathered thus far. And to be able to, you know, give words of power, words of praise, words of acceptance, and, of course, clearance, because it's been an ongoing piece that requires atonement. You know, so there's some brothers and sisters that are more comfortable just, like, again, doing the customary white, um, sharing fresh flowers, sharing prayers, calling specific names for ancestors that have passed. There's a large and archival record here of specific nations out of Africa that in the Danish archive, which is very well engaged here in the VI, they list like the names of so many men, so many women, so many children that jumped off the ship or were thrown off the ship. And in doing that, there's like an acknowledgement for those brothers and sisters as well, specific to like near Customs House, which is more in the west end of the island, or over by what they call the steeple building, which used to be the actual slave auction block, which is still an edifice that's um, maintained by the national by the U.S. National Park Service, although it's on um, Virgin Island, uh, on the on the, on Virgin Island's property here in the Christiansted part. So there's going to be a combination of those types of activities and something small because again we usually do something of a similar nature, but at a different time of the year, and just to show our solidarity and you know again because of what was brought to our attention, you know by by the organizers, Sister Chadradili as well as Sister Queen Deborah, we're going to be, you know, adding to the global observance on Saturday between 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. So when when is your your um, your annual obs- observance? When does it take place? Sunrise on the 3rd of July. Okay. okay. Yes. So that's almost in line with um, what happens in, in New Orleans, uh, which is around its the weekend of the Essence Festival, and I think it's that Saturday, um, the, um, the uh, I can't remember the name of the theater, but um, they, they have a, um, a libation for the ancestors and a procession that weekend. Wow. Yeah, Perfect. so that's around the same time as yours. Mm-hmm. Well, we're very excited because it's, there's been like a whole resurgence of dealing with affairs that really celebrate commemorate and also activate action mm-hmm. for our upliftment as and you know as African people. And it's linked like having this observance is also linked like even the the picture, the photograph of the underwater sculpture mm-hmm. that's in the in one of the bays in Grenada, that is like a really critical reminder because I know some brothers and sisters that are in Grenada, they may not be Grenadians by, by nationality, but they live there. They weren't aware of that, so it was really wonderful for them to see the connectivity of what's happening in the U.S. mainland, as well as in other parts of the Caribbean and, and Africa and the, and the diaspora, but then to connect it directly to a particular observance and site in Grenada and, you know, the neighboring islands. So part of what we also have done here is sometimes we actually, some of us that are comfortable swimming, we actually go out 
to into the sea and form a circle. And that's something that is customarily done. It's interesting because it shifts the energy of just being on the land and giving offerings to the sea, but actually being embraced in the sea and trusting one another in a unity circle to be able to float and then engage in, you know, the prayer, the chants, the hefty, the words of power, and the atonement for our ancestors and the loss therein. So, I mean, it's all part of this whole global African diaspora initiative. It's all part of the uh, decade for the African diaspora that was spearheaded through the Sixth Reason Diaspora Caucus. It also connects to this whole decade honoring the African woman. That was also something that was done internationally. And now with your recent global African diaspora summit that happened in South Africa, what's happening in the diaspora is positioning their, their, their hand to have to now shift from what was just a year last year for the International Year for People of African Descent to shifting it to a, a actual decade for people of African descent, which gives us more time to actually, you know, formalize all of these different observances. So we're looking forward to the second Saturday of June being known, like, really globally, mm-hmm. like making that viral that everyone knows, just like how we remember the 4th of July, how we remember yeah. whatever is the Thursday in November as Thanksgiving, excuse me, Thanksgiving Day, the same way we remember Christmas. Valentine's Day, whatever, you know, people stop their world on the 14th of February every year, almost everywhere. So we just are using this as a, as a springboard for us to be able to, you know, support what has been a fabulous, powerful way of truly showing that remembrance, that sacred liberty to one another. So I'm just pleased to even be here to share sacred space with everyone. Do uh, do uh, do uh. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could also give uh, information, um, you know, about how people can, because you're, you're, you know, very well. Um, I mean, you're easy to access online, and you have, you know, your per Ankh, you know, organization. And I wanted to know if you could give your your website for people. Mm-hmm. And, Our website is www. dot per Ankh u p e r a n k h and the letter u. dot org or dot net. And we're also pretty open on on Facebook as well as Twitter. And then we have a number of pieces of the work that we've done in this particular regard that's available on YouTube as well. And if people would like uh, to call, they're welcome to call. We do have a stateside number that links to us here at 305-407-2654. Or they can email us at peronk at email.com or peronk at me.com. Yeah, and can you spell the uh, the per aunt part? Yes, T C R A N K H. Right, thank you. Um, wow, and and how do you pronounce how do you pronounce your name again? Most people call me Doctor Chen. Doctor Chen? Oh, that's so yes. okay. Thanks. That that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking as you were speaking and. Um, that uh, I was thinking first about about that wonderful image on the flyers. I'm like, well, nobody sent me the image, so we can make our flyer here. It's like, oh, if you can still send it to me. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I was thinking about one of uh, our collaborators this past um, season, uh, 2011, and we had a, during October there was a wonderful 
wonderful exhibit at the Sergeant Johnson Gallery at the African American Art and Culture Complex in San Francisco, and it was called Totems, and it was really a beautiful exhibit, um, mixed media, um, and actually there were totems, African diaspora totems in, in the exhibit that was curated by Nashime Lindo. And within the the gallery, uh, Robert Henry Johnson, who has um, a theater company, he did a reading of a play. He just called it Play Ma'afa, and it took place underwater. It was the Mami Wata um, who sort of facilitated. Yeah. She was like she was like the the narrator, and they were looking at the Africans that didn't make it, the ones that the sharks got. And, and it was really really cool. The sharks, the sharks, um, the sharks were able to to speak, and and just the whole idea was a whole idea of like wholeness and you know because mm. these were parts of bodies that were littering right. the bottom of the ocean and it was really beautiful and so I thought about that you know with the image and and when yeah. you talked about Dr. Chen about going out into the ocean and forming a a circle a trust circle right. um yeah right. and and then I thought about diaspora citizenship and then I thought about repairing our nation, reparation, repairing our nation. So I, those are some things that I thought about. And so I wanted you all to be able to talk to each other now that everyone has had an opportunity, I believe, to talk about, you know, what's going to be happening in your particular region. We've got about, um, you know, 10 minutes or so if you want to talk to each other. Well, uh, Sister Wanda, I want to suggest that um, we get Sister Deborah to talk a little bit more about her efforts to continue this globalization of the remembrance yeah. tribute to the ancestors because I think she's done some fantastic work, as you can see by the new folks that are on board. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I can't see her doing anything else but growing and fortifying us as we continue. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Is um, Deborah there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> I, I second that, Osei. I think it's an effort of all of ours. It's not. I mean, I think that each of us will spread it from there. I think that's the way things grow. Um, I just I want to reach out to the people that I can, the people that I know, and the people that I reached out to have been just really wonderful. And and so and if we can all reach 